0: When I was a boy, I was a precocious little child, and uh, I was very shy, and I preferred to read books in my room than actually interact with my uh, rambunctious peers. I would bury myself in books, and I would read these stories until the fictional, story, fictional characters that I read about seemed much more real than my schoolmates. Um, often, the death of one of these fictional characters in a book would, like, devastate me. I would be like, oh my gosh, I am... Deeply and emotionally ruined because a character that I cared about in this fictional story died Um, And so I started a new tradition. I was like, I'm getting way too upset by these books So now I'm gonna read the first chapter of a book And then I'll read the last chapter and see if any of them are crying or weeping because some character from that first chapter died And then I know I shouldn't even read this book because I can't handle the emotional trauma that I'm gonna have if I read this book And so yeah, I was a weird little kid Um, But this is what I would do before I got emotionally invested in a story I need to I needed to be sure my heart wasn't going to be broken. So I'd read that last chapter The last chapter of Revelation is like looking ahead to the final pages of the human story and letting us know that our hearts not going to be broken We're getting to read the ending and this is where all of creation is heading This is where the story is going and God is sovereign No matter how much we use our free will to derail the plot the eventual eternal ending this fixed point in time is the ending we're going to talk about today the moment where the story is headed and here's where it's headed the garden city now i'm not talking about garden city new york this is a picture i'm sure it's a lovely town on their website it's a picture of a bank parking lot So maybe it's not a lovely town. You know, I think I'd put up a prettier picture. But anyways, we're not talking about Garden City, New York. We're talking about the Garden City that's presented in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. This beautiful picture of heaven and earth being combined. I'm talking about God and mankind living and working together to make the world flourish and to expand beauty and order throughout the universe. The end game for the Bible is a massive Garden City where humans of every race— And Every nation live in harmony with each other. They live in harmony with nature and they live in harmony with God now Regardless of what you believe about the Bible or Christianity. That's a cool vision That's a vision any of us can get behind and get excited about Humans of every type living together and seeing each other as brothers and sisters humans living in harmony with nature and with the divine Let's take a look at this picture in Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 7 This is John He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said this, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said it to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. This passage goes on to describe this city that descends from heaven, that's going to be this dwelling place for God and his people, this meeting place of heaven and earth. It's really a picture of a new eden a place where heaven and earth overlap and there's all this symbolic language about the size and the shape and the gemstones and the number of the gates we don't know exactly what it will look like but i imagine something like rivendell it talks about how the tree of life is there and it grows throughout the entire city remember rivendell and lord of the rings it's like the elves living in this secret valley and their buildings are just integrated in with nature and you can't see it all because of the glare from the windows but it's a beautiful picture and uh, their architecture is just in harmony with nature. Like trees are woven into their walls. That's how I kind of pictured the Garden City. The Celtic Christians describe some places and some seasons even in the year as thin places where the veil between this world and the spiritual world, the eternal world, is thin. A thin place is where you feel like you're walking in two worlds at the same time. The spiritual and the physical are fused together. Um, Pictures of a thin place don't do justice. There's something like when you're standing in them that goes beyond the limits of your physical senses. A few years ago, Darby lived in Ireland for a while, but a few years ago, she took me to Ireland. It was my first time. And um, that country is filled with so many hauntingly beautiful places. Places that when you go there and you're just like... I'm moved by this like something moves and stirs inside of me There's a reason for hundreds of years that christian pilgrimages would travel to places in ireland to pray and worship and reconnect with god I think we have a picture of the cliffs of moor Pictures don't do justice to this like when you're standing there. There is a there's something in the air That's more powerful than just even looking at a picture in a thin place prayer is as natural as breathing When we were standing at the Cliffs of Moher, I literally just felt myself begin to pray. Like, I wasn't like, I should pray here. It's beautiful. It was just a natural response. These places leave you with a deep sense of wonder that feeds your soul. The Garden City, the future home of humanity and God, will be the thinnest place of all. Heaven and earth will sit side by side. And John begins to describe the wonders of the city using this symbolic language And he begins to say that in the city will be no evil no violence no injustice no hunger no racism And people of every nation will find a home in that city There will be no foreigners in the garden city in the city of god We will all be one people with one god working with him to spread order and beauty throughout the universe forever And we forget sometimes that jesus just didn't come to save humans it's true, he did come to save us. You know, Jesus came to save us. But he also came to save the cosmos, everything in the universe, every created thing, and humans along with it. In Romans 8, through 23, it says this. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies paul's saying here like yes you are rescued you are saved from sin and death because of jesus but you don't yet have a resurrected body and you're still looking forward to that day when death will no longer have a hold on you at all and he says even creation is groaning desiring waiting for the moment when it will be resurrected and made new creation is eagerly anticipating this reunion of heaven and earth the smallest flower to the largest elephant, every created being wants things set right. When we say, "Come, Jesus, reunite heaven and earth," we're joining in a chorus that quarks, the tiniest element of an atom, and aardvarks both sing. They sing, "Please, Jesus, come, set things right, restore heaven and earth, renew creation." The smallest elements and particles hum eagerly, waiting for Jesus's return. And when we say come jesus come back make things right renew the earth send down this garden city we are joining in a chorus that's running throughout the universe and it's not just here in the book of revelation that the garden city is mentioned the prophet isaiah around 700 years before jesus prophesied about the reign of the messiah and his capital city in isaiah, in isaiah's vision of the coming city he says weapons are going to be forged into garden shears garden tools he's like People won't need weapons. There will be no evil, nor oppression, nor war. And he says, if you find a weapon, you're going to say, oh, I bet we could melt that down into a garden tool because we're all going to be gardeners. No one's going to be a warrior. He describes how the lion and the ox and the wolf and the lamb will sleep together because there will be no predators and no prey. And children will play by the snake's den because there will be no fear, there will be no venom, there will be no poison, there will be nothing to be afraid of. And people of every tribe and color and nation will look at each other and they will not say, you don't belong here, you're not one of us. No, instead we will all look at each other and we will say, my brother, my sister, we are one people and we have one God. And there will be no churches or temples, John says, in this city. And I know some of you are like, yes, no church, yes, <laughs> sleeping on Sunday, right? Because God is with us, we don't need to attend a church or a temple Right now, one of the reasons we have church is because we live in the kingdom of darkness and we need weekly reminders that the kingdom of Jesus is coming because every single day we are told you live and you die and that's it. And church is a time when we stop and remember there is a resurrection. 2,000 years ago, a man came back from the dead and he promises that all who put their faith in him will come back again. In the garden city worship won't be somewhere you go it won't do be something you do worship will be your life in that city many people were frustrated with jesus because they expected passages about his return like those in isaiah to be reflected in his first coming and so when jesus showed up and he didn't like bring down this big city and he didn't end all wars they didn't understand what was going on they didn't understand why he had to die before he would reign as king Jesus was busy creating a garden people before he makes a garden city He had to plant a garden city in me before I could be the type of person who could live in the garden city with him And just as people were frustrated with jesus because he didn't create a garden city when he came the first time I'm honestly sometimes frustrated with jesus because he still hasn't created a garden city after two thousand years of waiting I long for that world When I hear about the earthquakes on the other side of the world and tens of thousands of people killed or when I hear about shootings and uh, Acts of violence uh, my heart longs for King Jesus to come and make all wrongs right I I think we have to address the elephant in the room that people have been praying for 2,000 years come quickly King Jesus and all this and here we are 2,000 years later And uh, he's still not here Just look at these references in revelation chapter 22 22 verse 7. Look, I am coming soon 22 verse 12. Look, I am coming soon 22 verse 20. Yes, I am coming soon And uh, you might be like well, maybe the soon that jesus used here in the greek doesn't mean soon You know it does the greek word translated soon here is taxi Which means quickly speedily or ready to go the exact opposite of what taxis mean in our world today Um, No matter how you look at it It has not been a quick return of jesus and yet that's exactly the word he uses is here He's like it's going to come quickly. It's going to come speedily. I'm ready to go And yes in a moment We'll look at the passage where peter says a day is like a thousand years to god but jesus had to know how john would hear this john is in prison john is old and jesus is saying john get ready i'm coming quickly tell the churches to be ready i'm coming quickly and now we're thousand years past that so if he is coming speedily why is it taking so long now we have a couple options here right the whole thing could be fake i mean you're probably here and being here probably means you don't think that right or at least we hope that's not true But it could be it could be that he's dead in the ground this whole thing's made up and that's why he hasn't come back That's not where I lean But that's a possibility some people would argue that's the reason you haven't seen jesus in uh, Create his kingdom is because it was all made up the other um, Possibility is he genuinely feels like in the grand scheme of the human story of the story of earth We're in the end game and that it could happen at any moment and it won't be long now Um, If you're a young earth creationist and you think the world's only five or six thousand years two thousand years is a long time Um, If you think the world is millions of years two thousand years is not very long. It's a drop in the bucket So maybe it's just a perspective thing Um, A third option is he is coming And he wants every generation of Christian to realize that the kingdom of darkness is crumbling and could completely collapse in their lifetime And that the kingdom of heaven is on the way, and could come rushing in at any moment. So perhaps we are to live with the hope of the imminent arrival of the Garden City, no matter what generation we're in, whether it's a year after he ascends or 2,000 years later, he wants every generation to wait with anticipation for his arrival. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. He says he's coming quickly. It doesn't feel like it's been quick to me. And this tension between the here and the not yet of the kingdom of Jesus has led to all kinds of silly predictions and false hopes. How many times have you heard someone on television, like they're, they call them into a newscast or something, and they're like, it's the year 2000, and this guy comes in and he's like, I'm a pastor, I'm a minister, Jesus is definitely coming back within six months, you know, mark it down, this is the date, people say silly things. Or maybe on social media you've seen someone make this prediction and they're like, 2023, reverse those letters around, flip them around, put them in this coded text, and all of a sudden, Jesus is coming back this year. I remember somebody in uh, Bible college, and they would take a dollar bill, and they would fold it up a certain way so that the letters lined up in the numbers, and they're like, this is the year Jesus is coming back. Well, that year is long past now. He hasn't come back. Uh, We had a guest speaker in seminary who came in, and he was like, he was an older pastor, and he says, I know for sure Jesus is coming back in my lifetime. 100% 100% you need to get ready he's coming back in my lifetime uh, That pastor now been dead in 15 years, you know, so he was wrong This kind of thing though is nothing new Hardly a week goes by that I don't see someone make some absurd prediction about when Jesus will return Literally this week on Twitter. I saw somebody they said have you seen that AI? There's now this AI program where you can ask it a question and it'll write things for you and I've played around with it It's kind of fun to see the things that it writes and there's an AI program that makes art And this guy was like AI is a sign that Jesus is coming back within the next three to four years And I'm like what (laughs) like why you know, and uh, these people just make these predictions and it ends up making us look silly Um, I also see sometimes where people Uh, Make this argument that the world is too bad and too hard too whatever to continue Um, Augustine said Bad times hard times. This is what I keep hearing people say, but let us live well and the time shall be good We are the times such as we are such are the times Look at the uh, date. Oh, I crossed out the date that he lived. He lived just a couple hundred years after Jesus, and he was saying this. People in his times were saying, the times are too bad. The times are too hard. And he says, how we live affects how we think the times are. One of my seminary professors warned um, us, the, the students in his class, that as we got older, it would look more and more appealing for Jesus to return rather than for us to face death. He cautioned us though um, It's easy to see the world as collapsing as our own health fails as we get older We're like the world's definitely going under, you know, jesus has to come back But he told us to be careful to not make crazy claims because it ends up hurting the faith of others Sometimes I see pastors look at the decline of christianity in the west Or especially in america as a sign of the end of the world all while ignoring how christianity is exploding in africa in Asia. Well, yet less and less people in America identify as religious and especially Christian each year. Christianity is growing by 1.5 percent per year in Asia and three percent per year in Africa. And you're like, "Wow, Alex, amazing. 1.5 percent, Three percent. Who cares?" Let me put it another way. In 2022, there are or, or there were, 390 million Christians in Asia. That's more people than we have in all of the United States. Christians in asia that makes up 15% of the world's christians an increase of 1.5% a year means that there are 5 million new christians each year in asia There are 700 million christians in africa. They're growing at 21 million new christians a year. So is christianity dead? No Absolutely, not american christianity might be in decline, but the church isn't dying. It is thriving It's just moving from the west to the east east the growth or decline of christianity Christianity in america is not the deciding factor on when jesus returns We've based way too much around what's happening in america as some type of sign of what god's doing in the world God is a lot bigger than america and he's working all over this world Second peter three nine through ten peter says the lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some people think about slowness, instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, the heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Peter's old here when he's writing this letter in Second Peter, he's starting to think, you know what, I might die before Jesus comes back i may not see king jesus return in my lifetime and he tells us if jesus seems slow in coming back it's not because he's like really slow have you ever known anyone like my grandmother before she passed away was the slowest person on earth i've literally seen her spend two hours microwaving a bowl of oatmeal like there's no way that would take two hours she would make it take two hours you know and if we were going out to eat we knew we had to block out at least four hours because she would just do everything so slowly. Everybody else would be done eating, and she'd be like on her first bite of something. And uh, she was just slow-moving person. Peter's saying, that's not what Jesus is doing. He if he seems slow, it is because he is compassionate. It's not because he's forgotten. It's not because he's distracted It's not because of something else. It's because he's compassionate when Jesus comes back Some people will choose to be swept away with the crumbling kingdom of darkness. Jesus doesn't want anyone to perish So he's patient. He wants everyone to experience the Garden City He doesn't want anyone clinging to the kingdom of darkness when it is dismantled this Garden City That is what we are working for. That's why we have a church. That's why we interact in the world. That's why we live, because we want this garden city to come. This is the mission of Jesus, and this is the mission he's given us, to help people who who are still clinging to the kingdom of darkness, to say, hey, there's this garden city coming, and we want you to be a part of it. Our mission as students of how Jesus lived and loved is to operate as if that future picture has fully we live in the kingdom of darkness that is here But we also live in the kingdom of the garden city that is here But not yet fully here in the kingdom of darkness. It is true You have to look out for yourself You have to look out for number one and money and power let you get away with anything But we are not to live as residents of the kingdom of darkness because we know it is passing away We are to live as residents of the kingdom of God the garden city even while we wander as pilgrims in the kingdom of of darkness we are to draw men and women and boys and girls attention to a real kingdom that's rising up to replace the kingdom of darkness And our selflessness and our sacrifices and our love are glimpses into the eternal they're glimpses of this kingdom that is coming We've called this series the end But it really wasn't about the end at all It's always been about a new beginning the bible doesn't end it introduces a new beginning a new start for humanity so join me as I join 2,000 years worth of Christians who say even so come Lord Jesus come quickly and as we wait we will live as citizens of your Garden City it isn't fully here yet but we believe it is coming and when it comes it will change the world forever this vision of a Garden City this vision of the role and reign of King Jesus should make us confident about the future it should make us obedient in the present. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the hope that you are coming. And God, I pray that we will be faithful as we wait for your return, that we will live as citizens of your eternal kingdom, that we will not operate under the rules of the kingdom of darkness, but we will operate as agents of the king. God, may our love and our sacrifice are willing to set others before ourselves. May it give people a glimpse of your kingdom that is coming. May we treat others as brothers and sisters even when they look differently and think differently and vote differently than us and believe differently than us because that's a glimpse of your garden city that's breaking through. At any moment, the kingdom of darkness could crumble.